0: Welcome to the Life Point Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about Life Point Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, if you'd like to turn over there. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 is where we're going to be this morning, continuing this series Custom Made Calling. Aristotle said something a long time ago, which is uh, very true, even though Aristotle wasn't necessarily a, a God follower, but he said something that, that we know to be true today, that every human being can be angry, but to be angry at the right thing, to the right measure or degree, In the right time and the right way, that is difficult. That's an understatement. I'd say it's more than difficult. It's impossible. That human beings left to ourselves, we do not have the capability of being angry at the right thing, the right time, to the right degree, in the right way. And so usually when we have anger... And there's a lot of it, especially it seems um, from my perspective. And again, I'm, I'm one of those getting older. But from my perspective, there seems to be even more anger in the culture than when I was younger. That could just simply be my perspective, but it seems to be that way. And so we come to this passage in Ephesians chapter four, and it talks about this subject of anger. And I'll be honest with you, when you start you, when you first start reading it, it seems like there's a word that's missing. And I had to wrestle with this for a while. Because you look at it and think, hey, there's a there's an article that must be missing in all this. There's a word missing here. Um, and somehow or another, the translators must have missed it. They just left it out. Look with me, chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 26. Notice it, it does not say what we would expect it to say, which is, be not angry. That's what you would think it was. Be not angry. Don't be angry. That is not what it says. So I went back and looked at it. Check it in the original. Make sure. They didn't leave it out. It wasn't there. No, actually, it's a command. It says be angry. But while you're being angry, stop sinning. (laughs) Well, Lord, now I'm even more confused. Because I know how to be angry. I'm not sure I know how to do it without sinning. But I know how to be angry. Be angry, but stop sinning. Literally, it says do not sin, but literally, stop sinning. While you're angry, stop sinning. It goes on. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 27, and give no opportunity for the devil. Three very distinct statements. We'll look at each one of them. Here's something that you need to know. If if there were points to this, my daughter often says, Dad, it would be nice if you had points. Um It would be, I think so too. If God gives them, if God gives them to me, I'll give them to you. All right. Number one, first point is that it is appropriate, according to Scripture, at times to be angry. It's appropriate. We're going to talk about what that looks like, but it is appropriate, according to the first part of that verse. It's appropriate at certain times to be angry. Secondly. that the duration of our anger must be short lived. That's the second very important point in this. We'll talk about that more as we get to it. And the third thing is, it has to be the right type of anger because the anger we're accustomed to gives Satan opportunity in our lives. All right, those are the three important takeaways from this, this section of Scripture. Let's look at them, all right? First of all, it is appropriate at times to be angry. There, there, is, there is a place for that. And you're going to say, yeah, because it always pops in our head, the example of Jesus doing what? What was he doing? Turning over the, te- the money changer, kicking him out of the temple, turning over the tables, all the money scattered everywhere, all the product going everywhere. That famous passage. You know the interesting thing about that? I looked at it in all three of the Snopped gospels, and it doesn't say anywhere in there that Jesus was angry. Nowhere does it say he was angry. We assume he's angry because we think, well, if I'm flipping over tables and, you know, and all that, I'm probably angry. So we assume, but nowhere in the Gospels does it say he's angry. It just simply says he came in and he did this. And then he told them why he did it. Because you have made my father's house a den of thieves. It was meant to be a house of prayer for all nations. And you've turned it into a den of thieves. You've turned it into a place for your greed and corruption. And so there we think Jesus is angry, but it doesn't tell us. We assume he's angry, but it doesn't tell us. I can only find one place in all of the New Testament where it says Jesus was angry. If you want to look with me at it, it's over Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 and verse 5. It's the only place, as I look through here, where I can find angry. And by the way, it's probably important for you to understand I'm not a Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do read them. And one that I enjoy reading, he's passed away a long time ago, uh, Dr. Kenneth, Kenneth Weist, or Weist, however you say his name. And he was a Greek scholar. Matter of fact, he was one of the translators of the New American Standard Bible. And, which is a translation I think is a very good translation. But as he's going through this, he explains something that typically in, in the Greek language, you have three different words used for anger or for wrath, translated different ways. Two of which are always prohibited. The first is this idea of boiling over. You see it sometimes used. Where since he got angry, just literally boiling over is is kind of the heart of the word. We would say they lost their temper. They just exploded. <laughs> I, I read something made me chuckle. Somebody was writing about their friend and said, yeah, I have a friend. They just explode. But they they justify it by saying, I explode and then it's all over. And they say, yeah, like dynamite, but look at the damage that's left behind. The Bible always forbids this kind of anger. For any reason, it forbids this kind of anger. This explosive kind of just blow up. And everybody around better watch out. It also talks about an anger that's more of a bitterness, irritation. It may not be as explosive, but it's this ongoing bitterness and irritation. We would say in our terminology, a little more passive kind of anger. It also forbids that kind of anger. It says here when it's talking about be angry, the word it uses is orge. And that word is this. It's a passion, it's this ongoing passion for at certain times, for a short season. And it's always used, when you see it in the scripture, it's always interpreted to be the anger that God has for God's purposes, for his plan, for his name. So we assume that Jesus, when he turned the money table, when he turned the tables over, that he was angry, but it doesn't say that. But here in Mark chapter 3, it does say he was angry. Now, in Mark chapter three, the the setting of this is he sees a man with a withered hand and it's the Sabbath and the Pharisees are all trying to catch him. They're all trying. The religious leaders they are trying to trip him up. And so they're watching. Is he going to is he going to break the law and heal this man on the Sabbath? And so Jesus knows their thoughts and he comes in and he says, let me ask you a question. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And they don't want to answer the question. They never liked to answer his questions because it left them no goods, No, They couldn't go any place good. No, no place where they could be on solid ground. So they often didn't answer him because they couldn't answer it. Are you going to say it's unlawful to do good on the Sabbath? And so Jesus, it says, that he was angry with them, but then it immediately says he was angry with them, but he was also grieved. He was angry and he was grieved. I want to talk to you about what godly anger looks like. It happens at certain times, not all the time. its It involves his name, his reputation, his purposes, his plans, not ours. Not my name. If I'm angry because somebody besmirched my name, that's not necessarily God's anger. That's mine. If they've attacked my character and I'm angry, that's not necessarily God's anger. That's mine. If I'm angry because my plans are thwarted. Then that's not God's anger, that's mine. His anger involves his name, his plans, his purposes in life. The things that break his heart. But when God gets angry at something, there is this mixture of both anger and grief. This is one of the ways we begin to look at and see, how do I determine if this anger that I'm experiencing so if you look with me there in in Mark chapter three, I got talking to talk until you. Never turn to it. Mark chapter three, verse five. Notice what it says. And he looked at them. He looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. He was angry and sorrowing at the same time. His heart was broken over their heart and the condition of it. He was angry, yes. Because they're standing against the purpose. They would rather follow the letter of the law than to see this man healed. They cared more about their structure, their program, their purposes than God's miraculous working in somebody's life. God always gets angry at that. Then, now, makes no difference. And so, he's angry at them. At the same time, his heart is broken over the fact that their hearts are so hard they can't even see it. They don't even recognize that they're standing in the way of what God wants to do supernaturally by holding on to their custom, their tradition, their plan, their purpose. I have to ask myself, and this is the challenging thing, have I ever been angry that way? Have I ever been angry for God's sake and at the same time had it mixed with grief? There may be a few times, but it's not very often. I want to share with you this morning, and I think the Holy Spirit's really been doing in my heart, I believe the Lord wants me to be angry more than I am. That's the command. Be angry. There are things that's breaking God's heart, and I think He wants them to break our hearts as well. But be careful, because our tendency is to take Our human anger, our understanding of what anger is, our tendencies, our purposes, our plans, our thought about what's right and wrong, and then get angry over that. So here's the key. Is there any grief mixed in your anger? Are you able to look, for example, I just use this as an example because I was reading something recently about it, about human trafficking that's going on in Brevard County. We should be angry at that but my anger about it which usually is probably not enough but then usually leads me to a place of judgment and criticism and it's wicked and evil and who could do that and how could you even think that way Jesus immediately recognized how they could think that way how you and I could think that way you say Troy I'm not a human trafficker but our heart can be just as wicked and broken Jesus looked and said their heart is hard. They don't see, they don't recognize. So while at the same time that he's angry over the sin, over the activity, over the purposes and plans, his heart's broken over the condition of the people who are actually participating in it. That's godly anger. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I've had it much in my life. I usually have anger, and sometimes I have grief, brokenness over people, but rarely have I had them together. Which is a sign to me. It's a warning sign. Say, okay, then often my anger is just that, it's my anger. It's not his. Be angry, but stop sinning while you do it. I'm angry. My children, because they left their room a mess. I don't think that's God's anger. That's probably just mine. My purposes, my plans, my desires. I'm angry at that person driving ahead of me who should know exactly where I'm going and how quickly I need to get there and that they're in my way. I'm angry at them. (laughs) (laughs) Though we share that, I'm not sure God shares it with us. All right? Can I tell you something, though? We've become very accustomed in this culture. We justify our anger and we ignore his. Be angry, but stop sinning while you do it. Explosive anger, always forbidden in Scripture. This ongoing churning bitterness and resentment, irritation, also forbidden in Scripture. But this anger of God that cares about His purposes and His plan and His name and ultimately what He cares about, which is people. He's all about people. That kind of anger we could use some more of. Be angry and sin not. But it says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Anger, even God's anger is short-lived. Think of it this way. It may be the flame to get the fire started, but it was never intended to be the fuel to keep it going. All right? You must get this picture correct. God may use it at times to be a flame to get something started, but he never intended for it to be the fuel. And most of us, I shouldn't say most of us, there have been times in my life where it has been the fuel. It was more than a flame. Matter of fact, it was probably an explosion and then fuel that kept it going. Kept stirring, kept nurturing. What is he saying here? He's saying don't nurture your anger. Don't keep stirring it up. You say, well, I can get angry at nine o'clock in the morning. I got a good 12 hours before I'm going to bed. All right. So I can enjoy it for 12 hours. No, that is not what he's saying. OK, don't read it literally there. It's it's literally an idiom. It's, it's this idea of don't nurture it. Don't continue to stoke it. It should come. It has a purpose if it's God's anger. It has a purpose and then it fades. Matter of fact, it usually leads us to a place of grief and then it usually leads us to a place where we pray and a place where we engage. But don't stir it up. Don't stoke it. Don't share it again with somebody else to get their indignation and have them join you. Can you believe Those words don't usually precede anything good. All right, If somebody says, can you believe? A lot of times, you need to, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you about to tell me something that I need to hear? Is it gossip in some way? Is it something where you want me to be angry over something that God's not angry at? Be careful with these things. Because they're they're part of our life. Don't stir it. The Holy Spirit can give you all the anger he wants you to have. At just the right time, he wants you to have it. For just the right purpose, about the right thing, in the right measure. He can do that. What Aristotle said is difficult, and I would say is impossible for man to do, the Holy Spirit can do in us. That's what he wants to do. So, there are times we should be angry, but in a totally different kind of anger. We are never to nurture the anger, stir it, stoke it. It is not; it is the flame, not the fuel. Now here's a sobering part of this. Because of our tendency to have our own kind of anger, the warning is you give opportunity to the devil. You give Satan a foothold. Scripture says a stronghold. You give him place. Literally the word is tapos, we get topography from it. You give him a place. Where is that place that you give him? In your soul. In in here. You give him opportunity to come in because of our anger. What opportunity do we give him? One of the things we do is we give him opportunity for bitterness and resentment. So we're just bitter at people. And we express that. We give opportunity for words and we're going to talk about words here in a few weeks when we get to the last part of chapter 4 but words that do not build up and are not full of grace we speak words that are death because remember life and death are in the power of the tongue so we speak death because of the opportunity we've given Satan by our anger James says it this way be quick to listen quick to hear slow to speak Slow to get angry. This is a bigger issue than we realize. I want to say something that is going to sound wrong, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to confirm to you if it's right. It's going to sound wrong. And the reason it sounds wrong is because of where we've grown up and how we have been trained from birth. And the statement is simply this. You and I do not have the right to be angry. We don't have the right to be angry. Not in our own anger. We don't have the right, let me say it differently, we don't have the right to choose what we're going to be angry about. We don't have the right to decide I'm going to be angry about this. I have the right to be angry because I wasn't heard I have the right to be angry because you didn't meet my expectation. I have the right to be angry because you got in my spot in the pavement and that clearly belonged to me. I have the right to be angry because I have needs and you didn't meet them. I have the right to be angry because I wanted that and you should have known. I have the right to be angry at God because He hasn't met my expectation either. You say, oh, I would never be angry. I'm telling you, folks, because we've grown up in this Christian bubble. Ultimately, our anger is directed at God. We just don't speak it out truthfully because we know we're not supposed to be angry at God. So I'd rather be angry at somebody else. That seems a little bit more righteous. But if I believe God is sovereign and I do, then much of my anger, actually, probably all of my anger, ultimately gets directed back to him. Because he could have stopped or changed anything that I'm angry about, but he chose not to. <laughs> Be angry with his kind of anger. Stop sinning while you're doing it, which means you're taking your anger and surrendering it. you are giving up on it. You're laying it down. I want you to notice something, too. Because this is tricky for us. The Holy Spirit has to guide us. This anger that God gives that also is accompanied with grief, I'll tell you something else that it's accompanied by. That it will produce in others who see it an awe that causes their attention to be drawn to God and who he really is and his character and nature. Why would I say that? Because in Mark chapter 3, it says that the Pharisees, when Jesus did this to them, they wanted to kill him. They needed to get rid of him. He was a threat to them. But it says, but all the people marveled. They marveled at his wisdom. They marveled at how he answered. They marveled at what they saw in him. When's the last time someone marveled at the anger of God that they saw in us? His kind of anger, not ours. Now, even if we believe this and receive it and say, okay, I'm going to accept this, I'll be honest with you, I've known my whole life that anger is not the way to go. I'm not supposed to be angry. Not in my own kind of anger, not for my own self, my own rights. And yet, I can confess to you, my family can confirm, I have been angry. And it wasn't Jesus' anger. It was just, just stinky Troy anger. I know it here. I know it. I read the verse. I memorized the verse. Meditate on it. Think about it. You and I cannot do what this passage says apart from something miraculous taking place in us. Which is exactly what the writer of Ephesians has been talking about all along. That's why we spent the first three chapters talking about the miracle. Jesus, what he has done, who he is and what he has done and what he is doing in us, his miracle at work in us. That's what he's doing. And so he takes this miracle that he's doing inside of you and me. And he says, you cannot deal with your anger, but I can. So, Lord, I want you to deal with my anger. How do I cooperate with you in dealing with my anger? What is it that I need to do? This is where I was praying earlier. Actually, we were in 6-4 and I was praying and this picture came to me. And I don't get pictures a lot. Some of you get pictures. When the Lord's speaking to you, you get pictures. I don't get pictures a lot. I get words. The Holy Spirit seems to speak to me in words. But I got a picture. It was very clear. And it was as if the Lord today, in a spiritual realm, you can't see it in a physical realm, but in a spiritual realm, that He was constructing this altar. If you can picture it in your mind. He's constructing this altar. And he was inviting me and I believe us to come and say, Lord, I surrender my right to my anger on your altar. I lay it down like we sang earlier, I lay it down with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you my right to be angry. My anger. I'm not talking about God's anger. My anger. I lay it down. I don't have the right to it. So I lay it down. You say that just does not seem right. Let me ask you something. Whose image are we being conformed into? Christ, Jesus, right? Do you remember this little passage? I'm sure you will over in Philippians chapter 2, where it says he, being God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Literally says he emptied himself of all of his rights. Whose image are we being conformed into? His. His image. His pattern for us to lay it down. My rights, my anger, my right to my anger... Now, you say, Troy, but things hurt. I'm I'm not negating the fact that things hurt. And there's an appropriate way to deal with pain. But it's not our kind of anger. That doesn't help you. As a matter of fact, it just opens the door for the enemy to bring more pain. This is very much like forgiveness. And I talk about forgiveness. I wish there was another way to be completely free other than forgiving. Because I would preach it. I would preach it every week. I would hold on to it. It would become my life verse. If there was another way that you could be really free without forgiving, I just can't find it. I can't find it. Well, here's another thing. I don't think you're ever really free either until you surrender your right to be angry over your own stuff. But once you do that, and as you continue to do it, because I don't believe it's a one-time deal. The, the phrase there is be angry, which is ongoing action and stop sinning. That means you have been doing it. Now stop doing it. this is continuing action as well. Keep on stop sinning. Keep on not sinning. Surrender it. Lay it down. You say, Troy, I can't. I have said that myself, and I've heard a lot of people say it to me. And let me tell you, in processing it, where I've kind of landed on this, I can't. I'm not going to just, yes, you can, no. I agree with you, the difficulty of it. I acknowledge that. But I think what we're really saying is, I can't imagine how me doing that would lead to any place better than I am right now I can't imagine as a matter of fact what you're saying Troy is that if I do that then I lose all control I lose all my voice that's a big thing now I lose my voice well actually I thought it was his voice that we wanted to hear and respond to and actually communicate not mine his See, I don't think it's so much of this I can't. It's not that I physically can't do it. I don't believe I should do it because I don't believe it's going to lead me anywhere that's good. I don't believe it's going to be better over there. Well, that's a deeper issue. And so I'm going to challenge you with something this morning. Because I want you to bring that to the altar and say, Lord, I don't believe it's any better if I do what you say. I'll just be honest with you. I don't think it's going to be better if I do what you say. But here I am. I'm acknowledging. I'm laying that bare before you. I don't think it'll be any better. And let him speak to you. Let him address it. Let him answer that. Just ask him. Say, Lord, is there something you want to say to me? Because I'm just telling you, I don't think it'll be any better. I don't think that's a better way. When Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, love is the more excellent way, I don't think it's the more excellent way. I don't think it's a better way. Let Him address it. Don't argue with me about it. i got the same problem you do. I'd like to hang on to my anger, my bitterness, my unforgiveness. I'd like to hang on to them because sometimes they're comfortable. They're like those old pieces of clothing we don't want to get rid of. Those old shoes that I just refuse to throw away. This may not be great, but at least I know this. I don't know that over there. I plead with you today to bring it to the altar. Bring it to Him. And say, Lord, this is where I'm at. What do you want to say? Don't listen to me. Listen to Him. He's the one who knows what to say to you. I don't. But I can tell you, it's not that you and I can't do it. There's something deeper that's going on. I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm just going to... While you're dealing with the Lord here, I want to just kind of speak some things that the Holy Spirit's stirring right now. And then you take it to the Lord and see if it has anything to do with you. One one word I believe I hear the Lord saying is that for some of us, anger is the fuel that motivates us and keeps us going. We don't know how, we don't we wouldn't know how to function without it. And if that's you, I'm asking you. I believe the Holy Spirit's asking you. Bring that to Him and tell Him. I also just had this prompting that for some, it's inward for you. On the outside, people wouldn't know you're an angry person, but it's always stirring. It's, it's boiling in there. It's always percolating. It's resentment. It's irritation. It's bitter. We don't like the word bitter. So use a different word. I'm always annoyed. I'm always irritated. Everything irritates me. Everyone irritates me. Again, listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying, but I believe He would call you to come to that altar. As you picture it in your mind, that spiritual place He's set up and say, Lord, here I am. You're being reminded right now of what your anger has done, the explosiveness of it, and what it has done to the people that you care about. And you're embarrassed by it. And I would tell you to come bring that also to that altar because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Just come lay it all there. Now, you may find the Holy Spirit prompts you to leave that altar and go be reconciled with your brother or your sister. You go to him and say, you know what? The Lord prompted me. He dealt with me about my anger in this. About the way I just responded. The way I have repeatedly responded. And I acknowledge it. I want you to know. I acknowledge it. I have taken it to him. I'm asking him to do a miracle in me. That all of my anger would become his anger. None of mine, all his. The anger that the Holy Spirit would lead me to, the passion he would lead me to, the grieving that he would, that my heart would be broken over what breaks God's heart. some may have to deal with a belief that anger is an appropriate form of communication maybe it's part of your history part of your family it's just how we dealt with one another it's just how we talked it's just what we did it's not what you have to do anymore you have a new family you're part of a new family you have a new birthright You have a new history. And you have a new future. And you're able to come and say, Lord, this has been part of my earthly family, but I'm part of your family now. And today, as far as me and my house, we have a new pattern, a new way. I share all of these things with you as a man who knows what it is to be angry. I had a conversation with Andrew here a year or so ago. Because I've been wrestling with the Lord with this long before we got to this passage. And one day he asked me, because one of his friends got screamed and yelled at. And the parent was very angry over something they had done. And by the way, what they had done, what they did was not good. And should have been corrected. It's just how we go about doing it. And um, Andrew looked at me and he goes, Dad, how come you don't yell at me anymore? I said, What do you mean? He said, Well, you just don't, lately you don't seem to yell at me, you know, get so angry at me. And I said, "Is that a problem? Would you like me to go back to be?" Willing? He goes, "No, no, it's not a problem. I just was wondering." And I had the opportunity to share with my son that the Holy Spirit had been convicting me about this: that my wrath does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not. No matter how well intentioned we may be, it does not. Now, I'm a work in progress just like you are, but I'm telling you there is miracle working power available to you and me. It is our birthright, and it will change us from the inside out. Just receive it and keep on receiving it. And tomorrow when you mess up, you say, Lord, I messed up. but I'm going to keep on receiving. I'm on a journey here. And when you mess up with people, you say, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm on a journey here. Lord, thank you. You are so good to us. Thank you for what you do. May we become a people known for having godly anger. The things that break your heart break our heart. But all of our anger, Lord, put away. Help us to know the difference. In Jesus' name we pray.